0: Castellanos has it, and the Phillies have the National League Championship!
1: H-Y-Y and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm your host, John Stolnes, from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. Coming up, Phillies in the middle of a big series against the San Francisco Giants, probably the biggest series they are going to play for the rest of this year in terms of the wild card, although... I think they have the Cubs coming up again this year, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. I don't know. But either way, this is a monster series this week at Citizens Bank Park against the Giants, the team that until uh, their loss on Monday night had been the team chasing them the closest in the wildcard race, and the Phillies took the first game. So uh, we'll chat about that and take a look at what's coming up over the next two days. And we'll also dip back into what we saw over the weekend in Williamsport and the Nationals and all that good stuff. Plus, the Orioles owner opens his mouth again, and the stuff, my God, guy, just, you need to stop. Buddy, come on. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a few minutes as well. Joining me as they do every time this week, my good pals Justin Clue and Liz Rocher. Of course, Justin from Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. You can follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, what's going on with you, buddy? How you doing?
2: You guys going to get your faces scanned at Citizens Bank Park? <laughs> no! <laughs> The Phillies are, are finally, after years of denying its value, harnessing the power of the human face by turning the front of your head into into a ticket with facial recognition <laughs> software. Uh, no, I'm not doing
1: this. <laughs> no, listen, I talked about that no. on the last podcast as well. And for the the, the fra- for the organization, the franchise that couldn't get the fanatics face right for a couple <laughs> of years, there, uh, I'm not it? really entrusting them with mine.
2: Trust the Phillies with your face, with the future of your face. There you go. You can make all kinds it's, of little pH it's,
1: pH it's jokes a, in there. Say this is marketing. The marketing campaign writes itself. Justin, <laughs> <laughs> we love
0: the Phillies, but we do not trust them.
1: <laughs> no, no, and it's not even so much the Phillies. You know, they're they're the, the guinea pig here, but you know. They said yes, and so <laughs> I'm not doing that, um, and it's probably an irrational fear. I'm sure face recognition will all, we won't be able to go to the grocery store and, and buy ibuprofen without facial recognition within five or ten years. So, I mean, it's coming. We're going to have to deal with it. We
0: <laughs> You're can't certainly our... optimistic, assuming all this is going to still be a thing, right? Well, <laughs> like I mean, we society can't, and whatnot.
1: <laughs> we can't access our text messages without first allowing our phone to scan our face. I mean, what are we doing here?
0: That's you a know? good
1: point. <laughs> so, that's that's great just this point,
0: actually. Wow.
1: <laughs> my computer scans my face like 35 times a day. So we're there. We're there already. Uh, so, Liz Rocher well. from Yahoo Sports also joining us. Follow her on Twitter, at Liz Rocher. How are
0: you, Liz? Well, I'm certainly not get, letting my face get scanned, as I said <laughs> on the previous episode. I'm doing uh, much better now that the Phillies have uh, played the first game of that, of uh, the series against the Giants and won. I'm definitely feeling good about that.
1: Yeah, coming, coming into this game on Monday, the, the worry, of course, is like on paper, this is a matchup the Phillies absolutely have to win. You've got Aaron Nola, who's supposedly your number two starter. He's been a multiple-time all-star. He's been a top-five Cy Young candidate a number of different times. You know, he's getting the start, and the Giants are going to throw up a poo-poo platter of pitches pitchers here. Uh, you had uh, this cat who started the game. I don't think how many outs did he get. Three, four outs. Scott Alexander, this lefty they used as an opener, and then... Gabe Kapler um, brought in Sean Manaya to pitch uh, the next two and two-thirds innings, and the Phillies lit him up like a Christmas tree. And then they have some—I I heard Scott, Scott Fransky mention this. The Giants have more players on their roster with silent Hs at the beginning of their name than any other team in baseball. Sean Jelly, whose name is actually spelled H-J— E-L-L-E, went the rest of the way in four two-thirds innings, gave up 10 hits, six runs. I mean, this was a matchup the Phillies really needed to win, and quite happily, they did. Aaron Nola had his best game in a month. Uh, The Phillies' offense came to life. The bats, you know, Nola gave up a a first-inning home run to Jock Peterson, but and they gave up another home run a a couple innings later, but overall was very solid, went seven innings in this game, uh, gave up just uh, two runs on seven hits, just walked one guy. So. A really nice outing from Aaron Nola in a really important game and a pitching matchup that the Phillies really kind of had to have here. And Liz, I feel like when, when the Phillies, when Aaron do with, with, when they do what they're supposed to do, when they win a matchup like that, it feels like all is right with the world. Like the bats beat up on the bullpen. The, one of the Phillies' top star pitchers pitched like a star pitcher. And you have a 10-4 to win in a huge game that sets the tone, hopefully, for the next two to follow.
0: There was some good defense this game. Let's not forget yeah. that. There's Aaron Nola was backed up by some good defense, which is not always the case. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to mention that before I got into the answer of your question. No, which it's I've fair, not forgotten. yeah.
1: No, just that this, do you you think that this is a good tone setter here? Because, you know, the Phillies got what they wanted out of this matchup. Gabe Kapler's rolling with a bullpen, and you have Aaron Nola. He's supposed to win these matchups. He has to win these kinds of matchups and and pitch well, and he he did in this game, which was refreshing.
0: It was a great tone setter, and not just because they lost, but because Gabe Kapler looked like an idiot. And I I just want (laughs) to, I know that he's, you know we don't have to worry about him anymore but it's nice it's nice for this to happen <laughs> every now and then for for the phillies to to just sort of blow out the giants and it be you know just because their pitching is garbage
2: it was good to be on the other side of that win I feel like we oh. lost that game a lot of times when he was the yeah. manager in Philadelphia so
1: yeah that, I, I, I like... had that I you know hang on I had that same thought mm-hmm. you know like Gabe Kapler <laughs> is pulling his pitcher after the first five hitters and now he's bringing in somebody else like he's making a pitching change in the first inning and I how many times did we watch him do that nonsense when when he was in Philadelphia just, just he's nobody's using the opener anymore by the way have you noticed that like the, the Rays don't the, do the it Yankees anymore are
0: the Yankees yeah. used it for three games last week, I believe.
1: Oof, yikes. That's- Good teams aren't using it anymore, I guess I was. <laughs> there what you I'll Perfection.
2: Yeah, that's uh that's that's the Kappler way, I guess. But uh, I feel like the Phillies have played a lot of games this season that kind of followed that formula. I was trying to find a statistical outlier to kind of explain it, uh, in that like they they always are just putting themselves in a hole and then make you comfortable enough to keep watching and then they either then at the end they either win it or they don't and like that all unfolds in the last two innings and so you spend all, the entire game frustrated and i think i found the the stat that's like puts it in context the best which is that they've played after tonight they've played uh 34 comeback wins and that's mm. half of the current wins they have on the season yeah. the yeah. the Braves the Braves who have been Firmly entrenched in, in control of the National League since day one, while the Phillies have rattled in and out of wildcard contention, uh, the Braves have 33 comeback wins this year, and wow. that's like 40% of their wins. So the Phillies have more, have like significantly more comeback wins than the best team in the league. And those are fun at the end, but they're a really stressful watch. And tonight, <laughs> tonight was one of those games that started that way because it was an Aaron Nola start. And then suddenly you look around in the sixth inning and you're like, well, he's they've only, he's only given up two runs. Like, this actually is not a disaster. And the team was, you know pulling ahead by that point anyway so uh yeah this was uh this was just an exemplary 2023 phillies game and winning the Aaron Nola start is always good momentum going into a big series because it feels like you got over a big big tall hurdle early
1: yeah I wish we didn't feel that way for Aaron Nola starts that you're you feel fortunate when you entering, win one right now entering
2: play today my new Aaron Nola response was enjoy free agency that's that's <laughs> where I was. You know? yeah. Am I, am I rethinking that entirely? No, but I've softened. No.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if, he can certainly change a lot of minds with a good last few weeks if he pitches like this from here on out against a good team. This Giants team is a is a good team offensively. They've been one of the better teams in the league. Uh, they, they obviously have some pitching issues that, um, that that they're going through right now, but uh, certainly offensively for Aaron Ola to kind of do what he did in this game and wriggle out of trouble. The turning point of this game was in the first inning, and I, I tweeted it out as, as soon as it happened. I mean, he gives up the home run to Jock Peterson in the first inning and then loads the bases with one out. And you just, you could you could sense disaster coming. This is, Zach Wheeler gives up four runs in the first inning in the Little League Classic on Sunday night. You're about to watch Aaron Nola do something very similar here. And we've seen Aaron Nola have these blow-up innings where he just, he cannot, he cannot get outs from the stretch. But... Johan Camargo hits a, a a one hopper right back to him. He throws it to JT at home for one. Sends it over to first base for the for the third out of the inning. A one two three double play. Every pitcher's best friend with the bases loaded and and zero or one out. And that was the turning point of the game. At that point, I really did know. I really did feel like the Phillies were going to win this thing. Like Arenola, and that Arenola was going to recover. I think that was an. I think that was a big confidence boost for him to be able to wriggle out of that jam because he just has not wriggled out of jams this year. His left on base percentage way higher than his career average justin and i think that was the key once he was able to get out of that inning with just giving up the one run but no runs when he after he loaded the bases i thought was i thought was the key to the entire game
2: yeah i mean that kind of undoes my description as this game being an, a good example of a 2023 phillies game because in mm-hmm. that way it is an incredible uh outlier The main defining characteristic of Aaron Nola this year is that he has failed to recover from just about anything wrong that happens on the baseball field no matter how well he's been pitching all day it really just has become his signature move to completely unravel if a guy gets on base if he stops getting a call he was getting if uh, the rain starts raining a little harder like if, if something increasingly unideal happens he just he can't hold it together and tonight was the opposite of that tonight was recovering from that in what feels like the first time in a long time and that is always that is always an important win when the, when the starter you trust least Leads off the series with a win in a, in a game like that and reverses some previous uh, missteps. Then, yeah, yeah. I think this, that makes this game even even more important.
1: And Liz, that's what makes Nola such a confounding pitcher because he over the last month struggled against teams like the Pirates, struggled against uh, other losing teams uh, that that he went up against, failed to hold leads against some of those struggling teams. I think as was a game against the Nationals where he had trouble holding a lead, and in this game, uh, the Phillies. Give him some run support. Edmundo Sosa um, hits that big two run home run to put the Phillies up three to one after Harper gets a, a two out, two strikes single to tie things up. And you just could you got a sense the offense was gonna feast on some of this San Francisco pitching and that all Aaron Nola really needed to do was just kinda just to kind of roll through and and get some outs and and not try to do too much and, and the Phillies offense was gonna be able to to handle things. They, they I love seeing Sean Manaya come in the game because I just have I just have flashbacks to, to game four of the NLCS last year when the Phillies lit him up uh, late in that game. Yeah. And and so that's... familiar. Yeah, yeah, Sean Maniac coming in with that left-handed garbage, and the Phillies <laughs> really did a fantastic job on him. So, yeah, I mean, I just, it was kind of... All Aaron Nola needed to do was just do his thing, not be perfect, but just get those ground balls through, throw the pitch, throw the balls over the plate, not walk guys. And, and that's what he did. It was a I think it was an encouraging performance. It's just one performance. I don't know if there's a takeaway from that, but
0: no, nope, there's no takeaway. No, nope. the slate is wiped clean. Not, we should not expect at nothing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, at, not at this point, man. It's just every day yeah. is a new day. Yeah, that's that's the
0: only way to approach an Aaron Nola start. It's whatever happens here is going to be here. And then you have to wall it off and box it up and send it out away into the Mm -hmm. universe and not think of it again. Because we've been in the place where you don't, where we, you know, when we don't do that.
1: And Mm -hmm. we had an entire
0: episode on Aaron Nola at one point uh, Mm -hmm. on our Friday episode of Hidden Season. And uh, we're just going to keep talking about him now. For some reason, that was not the end of it, obviously.
2: No, nope, there's gonna, still more. He's gonna factor into whatever happens next, which is presumably going to extend at least part of the way into October, and then the free agency period. Will I don't begin. even. We're not gonna stop talking about Aaron Nola
0: forever. No.
1: Like a, a year. And he, and he, but no, but see, he's gonna be one of those players who, if let's say the St. Louis Cardinals sign him, oh, we'll no. be keeping an eye on what he does in St. Louis, and every yep. time he comes back to Philadelphia, and you know what I mean, like he's gonna be one of those players who has gotten so much attention and has his you know the 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 attitudes on him and the opinions on him are so extreme one way or the other most of the time he's just going to be one of those lightning rod players that we that we focus on whether he's here or whether he's pitching somewhere else for like the rest of his career Yep.
0: Yeah, we should uh, we should uh, fire up one of the uh, the email account or the phone number, whatever it is, and get ready for just an all Aaron opinions edition where the three of us don't really talk at all. It's all of you giving us everything we need to put an episode together.
1: Well, speaking of speaking of that, if anybody wants to do that, all you got to do is record a voice memo on your phone and email it to hit and season at Billy dot com. It's that simple. I found
2: out tonight there's like a legion of people who are willing to defend Dylan Covey to the death. Oh, we got to talk. Are I was, you He kissed? was going to bring him up next. So, you know, yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's all kinds of people out there, guys. All it, kinds it, of opinions. It I, be bad, before,
0: bad opinions.
2: Before we move on, though, I, I just wanted to say, Liz mentioned this earlier, but I don't Did we specifically call out Alec Boehm's incredible defensive night. Uh, and as well as Kyle Schwarber's assist that got John no, Peterson we hadn't yet no. tumbling yeah, into second defense. base. Yeah, Alec Baum specifically looked fantastic at first base. He and did it, he really, made he some really
0: p- good catches, uh, some quick thinking, and also from Aaron Nola, not just that throw to get out of that bases loaded jam, but he was on top of it. Like he, it yeah. really was a great game for him because everything was on all, everything was you know operating on all cylinders, and he was. He looked calm, like he could handle anything, which is not the Aaron Nola we're used to seeing.
1: Yeah, not this year anyway, for sure. It, seemed, it did seem, everybody just seemed sharper in this game. And yeah. I, I think that's the vibe because you're right. Bohm made some great diving plays at first base. Schwarber played that one ball off the wall perfectly. And the Giants came into this game and they didn't look very sharp. You had the Harper inside the park home run that bounced off the left center field wall. By the way, the official scoring of that of, nah. as an inside the park homer, very happy to see it. No, no way that's an, no way there's not an error on the center fielder there. as he <laughs> as he bobbles trying to pick up? That's a triple and a one base error yeah, that's if some, ever there was one.
0: I could not believe that. Like Harper was was running, but even he has to know. Like there are very rarely like actual inside the park home runs that are not assisted by an error in some in right. some way. And that certainly wasn't one. We were scoffing from our couch. Like, come on.
1: Yeah. Can you that's believe- a little league insider. Yeah.
2: Bryce Harper can run from from uh, all around the bases in, in less than ten and a half seconds and, <laughs> and not not even like be winded when he's yeah. getting up off the plate. How is that allowed? He, barely I mean, he
0: looked like he he was just like casual as anything. It was just like, hey, guys, and he would just walk back to the to the dugout. He wasn't breathing hard. I'm like, what is wrong with you?
2: We're going to find I out. Know. We're going to find out that they just found him in a meteor one time. And like I, stuck a baseball jersey on him. Yes. I don't.
1: I I don't know how many more Bryce Harper memes we can stack up. You know. <laughs> we're
2: gonna find <laughs> out. He's
0: signed here for a really long time. That's still. That's
1: true. That's true. We got another meme from his inside the park home run. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen it, you'll know what kind of picture we're talking about because it's gonna be everywhere. Just his casual, like it was almost like the Fonz after he, you know, going hey. around the bases. Hey, yeah, just scored inside the park home run. It shouldn't have been. It should have been a triple and an error, but okay. And I wonder if they'll change it. They probably won't though. Because official scoring in baseball this year has been garbage, and they're not going to take it a home run away from Bryce Harper. So um, congratulations. A great hit and, you know, fantastic job hustling right out of the box. He earned himself an inside the parker. Um, you mentioned Schwarber had a had a nice play out in left field on a on a relay throw to get Jock Peterson out at second base trying to stretch a single to a double. Uh, but he also hit an upper deck home run in oh, this game.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> when
1: he, there's there's really let me ask you this. When in, in Philly's history, we've we've had some really great power hitters. Like I mean, in my day, you had Mike Schmidt and Greg Luzinski. Uh, actually, Luzinski was a little bit before before my time, but I watched the later years of Schmidt. And when he would get a hold of something, it was it was really pure and beautiful. I think in the in the more recent years, Jim Tomey, Ryan Howard, and and I think and, you know Kyle Schwarber. And I guess you could put Bryce Harper into the mix here too. But when when one of those guys hits a ball as purely as you possibly can with with a home run swing. Who do you think has the sweetest home run? Like the sweetest home run swing. Like I mean with with Kyle Schwarber, it's the quick hands and he can, you know, the launch the ball up into the upper deck in San Diego like in tonight where it's just like sometimes he goes down on one knee to get it and you can just tell when 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 he gets all of it, and it just travels so fast. Ryan Howard just used to hit those mammoth shots into left and right field. Um, you know, Jim Tomey used to hit just absolute power bombs to, to left center and right center. It's just there's something about a power hitter really getting into one, and I can't decide which of these guys I think has, like, the, the best I-destroyed-that-baseball swing.
2: For me, it was always really distinct for Ryan Howard. Like, he, he had a certain way where when he really got a hold of one, you knew immediately because he knew immediately um, when he went into that slide step. And it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, that's, that's gone. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> that's might have true. not thought that was gone, but that is gone. He that was style. like an
0: early bat flip. It really was yeah. the way he would do that. And he would just be like, the bat would be hanging from his hand and he'd just be staring at it with like one foot in the air, almost walking. It was
2: always so, so great. Yeah, and he never he never missed. Every no. time he reacted like that, it was always that was always he never was wrong about it being a home run. I'm no. pretty sure. Um, but I would also say in Schwarber's case, he always looks like he can hear every baseball he's ever killed screaming when he hits one like that. <laughs> <laughs> or he just closes his eyes and looks mournful. <laughs> he's like apologetic. Yeah. Like a part of him broke off when he did that. And yeah, tonight was I think he was the last guy who uh in the in the batting order who hadn't gotten a hit. And then yeah, he absolutely clobbered that one uh onto the second deck. And uh yeah, he's just he looks like he's returning a ping pong ball, like double hand <laughs> like backhand. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean he again, I I'm starting to think his homers are getting pretty recognizable off the bats too. I
1: yeah. can usually tell. Liz I can usually tell when he hits it you can tell by the way he looks at it if he if he lingers in the box for an extra second you can just you can he has a look on his face I think Justin alluded to it a little bit that uh, where you can you can recognize that he knows he got it
0: yeah he knows I I think all the good ones all the the really great power hitters know when they've hit one like I'm still a huge fan of Jim Tomey there's just something like majestic and graceful and get mm-hmm. violent about his home runs. And did you hear? Did you see recently? He got hit in the face with a baseball when he was th- tossing batting practice to his son. What? Yes, his wife tweeted oh, about it recently. He is fine, <laughs>
1: uh, well, thankfully,
0: good. and thankfully for his son who felt horrible about it. But yeah, I'm that's sure. why he wasn't at Alumni Weekend for the oh, Twins gosh. or for the uh, for the Twins or for the Phillies because he got hit in the face with a baseball off the bat of his son.
1: Good lord. He's yeah, fine. <laughs> he's okay. Um, conversation took a turn. Uh that's that's, that's unfortunate for Kyle. Con- I'm love glad Jim Jim's Tomey. okay there. Yeah, no, Jim Tomey's awesome. And it's uh it's kind of fortunate, you know, going right from Tomey to Howard. And it was a little while. I mean, and you know, we're not even thinking about, you know, Bryce Harper's Violent home run swings sometimes mm-hmm. because he can absolutely obliterate a baseball as well. Um, when when he really gets a hold of one too, just so many different ways you can murder a baseball. And uh, here in Philadelphia, we've got a number of guys who are doing it pretty well and have over the course of their careers. Um, I want to so, okay, mention.
2: The... I, I want to mention on this note, uh, Gary Matthews. If you go back and watch, yes, footage <laughs> of the nineteen eighty three <1983 laughs> playoffs. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's uh, he's, he's pretty sure when he gets a hold of mm-hmm. one.
1: <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, and I was try. There's that infamous shot of Gary Matthews hitting that home run, and what was it, game four of the NLCS early, a big three run home run, where he kind of throws the bat behind him yep. and he looks back at the catcher. And I always wondered if he was apologizing for accidentally hitting the catcher with the bat or if he was trash talking him.
2: <laughs> well, I
1: honestly don't know.
2: Body language alone, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a guess on that.
1: <laughs> uh, me too. My, I, I my, my impression is that he's saying, "See that?" Or like, take you look know, that up, one." <laughs> <laughs> that's my, That's watch. what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, you didn't pay. It's right here in front of you, baby. Yeah. And um, I'll
0: mention Reese Hoskins too, just because we haven't seen him in a while. But his home runs are always wonderful.
1: Yeah, nice. He never really hits like something that's going to go like 480, 490, like a Kyle, but you know when Reese gets one. And obviously, like the home run off of Spencer Strider in the playoffs, just a pure right handed power swing. Um, it's a, it's, it, that also is a, is a beautiful thing to see. So, yeah, very cool. You're right. Reese Hoskins is a good one as well. So the Phillies take the first of these uh, three games against the Giants. They move their lead over the Giants to three games uh, with the Cubs beating the Tigers. The Cubs are now in the number two spot for the wildcard chase. And the Phillies have a two-and-a-half game lead on Chicago. Um, of course, if the Phillies sweep all these games against San Francisco, they win the next two, they will uh, be up by five games over San Francisco. If they win two out of three, they'll have a three-game lead, and um, if they end up losing these next two, uh, they'll still be up by one game over San Francisco. But the Phillies put themselves in a real good position here by winning this, uh, the first of these of these three games. And you know, as we're talking about uh, Chicago, it's still a little bit early in the summer to start looking really closely at scoreboards and stuff like that. But just kind of looking over the next week or so, looking at the schedules, the Giants are just in the middle of this horrible schedule. Um, Oh, no. Yeah, it's just really bad news for them, and I'm I'm, I'm shook for them. It's just terrible. Um, the Giants host the Braves for three games after this series in Philadelphia. Uh, the Braves just won two of three from them in Atlanta, and then they play the Reds, and then the Padres, and then the Cubs—all wild card contenders. Maybe not the Padres at this point, but the Reds and the Cubs. Uh, the Giants are going to get them. So this this last these two weeks, it's like San Francisco is going through the entire National League National League wild card crew and we'll see where they come out on the other end of that. Meanwhile, the Cubs, they're playing a three-game series in Detroit this week. Then they play a three-game <laughs> series fair. in Pittsburgh this weekend. So, I think it's almost a certainty that the Cubs are going to probably be ahead of the Giants in the wild card standings at the end of this week. Like it's it's a murderer's row for San Francisco and the Cubs are just they're they are just giggling playing the Tigers and the Pirates this week.
2: Yeah, I, I don't see how you could expect any other outcome. I mean, yeah, seriously. The, 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 the Cubs have been re- really the only one out of these teams that's been playing reasonably at least reasonably well for any extended period of time since it feels like the All-Star break. Feels like uh I think the Giants leveled out a little bit, but a lot of these teams have fallen back and plummeted away, and that's been part of why the Phillies have been able to climb into the position they're in. The Cubs are really the only other team it feels that's that's been uh showing something in this second half. I mean, they are uh mm-hmm. they are they have certainly they've just been like streaking upward
1: for weeks now.
2: I hate well, it. <laughs> yeah, I, hate I it they for don't the-
0: deserve it. <laughs>
1: I wrote a story for the Good Fight uh, that came out here on Monday, kind of talking about how the Phillies are. I, I, they haven't really taken full advantage of their schedule here over these last, say, like 25 games or so since the All Star break. Um, though the Phillies are 19, are now 20 and 16. They're one of only two teams with a winning record. The Cubs are the other one. They're 23 and 12 since the All Star break. But uh, the Giants now are 16 and 19. Uh, you had uh, the Diamondbacks. I think they're game got postponed tonight but i the, the Marlins are like 11 and 23 since the all-star break so i mean a lot of the national league wild card contenders are kind of are, are fading back but the phillies in their last 20 games have played uh, in their last 20 games against losing teams are only 11 and 9 against them um six of their previous 11 series coming into this weekend were against teams with a losing record. And they went just 11 and nine in those 20 games against losing teams. They went eight and seven against the winning teams during that, uh, during that stretch, um, including the, losing two out of three to the nationals over the weekend. Um, the first two games in Washington and then the third in, uh, in Williamsport. So, you know, I guess Liz, what I'm saying is I, I, I like the Phillies are in a good position or, you know, decent position. It could have been in a better position. What my concern is that the phillies may have wasted this easier part of their schedule and kind of like an nfl team a good nfl team can sometimes allow an inferior opponent to kind of hang around in the third quarter and hang around in the fourth quarter and then all of a sudden something weird happens and somebody you know i'm worried about somebody from behind getting hot as the phillies are just still kind of playing like four games over five games over whatever it is is that is that a concern to you as well, or am I making too much out of that?
0: I mean, I can answer that question for you right now. They absolutely did waste their, waste their, uh, their opportunity there. They, it, that wasn't a good enough record to put them far ahead enough to make things less frightening, less nail biting for mm-hmm. us going forward. But, I mean, what can you do about it now? <laughs> That's the thing. I'm just glad that, that part's over. We can stop asking questions about what will happen. Uh, because now like they have to just win against good teams like we can you know we can faff around and talk about you know how they need to do around with bad teams but they're not going to face a lot a lot more bad teams from here on out they'll probably if they make it to the playoffs they'll face good teams again like constantly and frequently Mm -hmm. so at least now i'm kind of glad that we could just start watching them and not being like all right well we could just discount this one because I did that a lot. And now like, I want to get, I need to get in the zone with watching the Phillies and that that's going to help me.
2: And the Phillies are, they can beat or lose to any team in yeah. any, any, I think that's right. They, really, yep. they really can. They absolutely have gone into superior teams homes and one series against them this year. Uh So I, yeah, I don't think it's all just kind of the same grab bag at this point. I know we, mm-hmm. we make a big deal out of, um, competition level and the schedule but like you know and obviously there's some factors that go into it but the Phillies are a team that just seems immune to it because they really yeah they, they spring a leak regularly enough that uh, you can watch them lose to a team they definitely should have beaten I think I don't have their exact um, record in one-run games from a couple weeks ago in front of me, but I know now it's 22 and 18, and I'm pretty sure that's worse. So they're they're not even like good at (laughs) good at everything they used to be good at this year. So yeah, they can they can lose pretty much any way to anyone, but they can also do the inverse and, and beat anybody.
1: And I think that's a fair point. A lot of times this team does play up to the level of their competition, um, and they do play well in, in series against good teams. There's, there's no, like we've said with this team, and this goes back to last year, there's no rhyme or reason. And so I think the one thing that I, uh, that I, that I am happy to see is that they are going to play more of their games at home. During this uh, latter half of the season and I think more than who they're playing I think where they're playing makes makes a bigger deal the Phillies have I guess not including tonight um, but they have uh, 38 games left. And so it's 37 games left now at this point, point. Uh, and they have more home games, a bigger difference in home to road games uh, than any other team in baseball. So they are going to really benefit from a home schedule over these last few weeks. And that is probably the best thing, even more so than what opponent they're playing, because I think they really do. I mean, they they have clunkers at home, but I think they do play better largely at home. Um, I do want to talk about Williamsport a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the the, the weekend series against the Nationals. And obviously, uh, it was a very weird weekend. On Friday, the Phillies had that six to one lead. They scored six runs in the third, and then gave six runs right back. Michael Lorenzen following the no-hitter uh, with maybe one of the worst starts by a Philly starter this year. Uh, and the Phillies build up a 6-1 lead and then give it right back and, and lose that game 8-7. Uh, and then the next night, they're getting shut out into the seventh inning. Uh, the next afternoon, getting shut out into the seventh inning. I mean, Liz and Trev and I on Slack were just, we we were not okay. Um, no, we <laughs>
0: It was like a constant (laughs) change of emotion. I'm like, why did I turn this game on? Why am I watching this? Why don't I love myself? And maybe 35 seconds later, the game had completely changed. And I'm like, this is great.
1: Yeah. This is the best sport ever. I I can't believe anybody ever says anything bad about this sport. But no, it's, I, I, and for me, it was, you know, they're down three nothing. It's the sixth inning. They get their first two guys on. And then Trey Turner comes up. And I, I send out a tweet ripping Trey Turner. And after Turner strikes out, and he, to my, at that point, he was two for his last 17, and so I, that, I was starting to like be like snarky, and now oh, it was nice. He was, was fun while it lasted, you know, and then he hits two home runs in the eighth inning um, and got fairly well-roasted on Twitter uh, over that. Rightly so, because it was, you know... Old takes exposed, and I get that, but it was just such a weird dichotomy. You know, you you're, you get you blow that big lead on Friday, you come back late, and then blow out the Nationals on Saturday, and then on Sunday night against a starting pitcher with an ERA coming into the game of 5.2, and you've got Zach Wheeler on the mound, and you're playing in front of these little children. You got to win that baseball game, and, and I, I'm sorry, that's just that's when I was thinking about the the Nola bullpen matchup tonight. It was kind of the same way with the Wheeler. Trevor Williams matchup on Sunday night. That's just a game they got to win, but you know, it was it was kind of a frustrating week with with the Washington Nationals and thank goodness the game on Monday night kind of cleansed our palates from all that. But just speaking as far as the the game on Sunday night, Williamsport Little League Justin, I don't know how much of that you were able to catch, but you know, the Phillies being in the stands on Sunday rooting the Media Little League team on, it seemed like it was a really fun event.
2: Yeah, uh, I always like the uh these more just signature games the the league puts on throughout the season like this or, or um the um field of dreams game was a lot of fun when that started up so like this kind of stuff i it's i i yeah i like that the phillies we got to be a part of it this year and i'm also just a really big fan of the little league world series and i, I think that uh, adults ruin everything and once a year mlb gets to showcase how baseball is supposed to look because it's being played by children uh, but yeah, that the that the Phillies got to interact and support uh, the media team. It was a lot of fun to watch. I loved seeing Garrett Stubbs uh, interact with the kids because like some of them are <laughs> as tall as he is, uh, <laughs> and uh, I loved seeing the kids' reactions to um, to just like watching the game you saw them set up behind home plate and when mm-hmm. jt struck out in a big spot you saw like a bunch of them throw their hands up and scream and cover <laughs> their eyes and i was like yes see that's the thing not only is it more fun sometimes to watch kids play baseball but it also they're they, they get to react in the way that you know people like sitting behind home plate are typically you know, keeping it together but these are kids they don't have to they don't have to hide how they feel yet that's and right so roast them they're their, their their entire emotional display is is right there and he's you know they're mimicking what we're all feeling watching on TV so I was like yeah good you know if you're gonna lose I hope it is in front of these kids because they're gonna they're gonna make you feel it <laughs> and Those it was kids great
0: kids did not care about the nationals at all
2: no
1: <laughs> listening
0: to the crowd as it was going anytime the Phillies did something they were like woo! and the nationals like scoring getting ahead there no one cared there was no cheering no one gave a crap about the nationals and all of the press during the day was essentially the Phillies are meeting with the immediate little League. look it's it's Bryce Harper talking to the Vegas team uh, and like inspiring them beyond measure just because they're from, you know they're from Vegas. yeah you know like that's what it was all about is like the kids were less than thrilled that they had to watch the Nationals win. I found that hilarious and again more evidence why we need to have kids in the stands instead of adults.
1: Yeah, the Phillies should have won that game on vibes alone. Oh, like God, they, yeah. the, the vibes were so totally in their favor um, in, in that game. But uh, in the end, that was a rough watch. You know, what? that might have been the roughest game of the season to watch. I mean, it was in a good environment. It was cool watching the kids. But as far as like actually watching the Phillies play, that was a that even the even the three run rally in the ninth, you're like, yeah, this doesn't mean anything.
0: It was, <laughs> just, it was just like the other night where they scored just enough runs to in the ninth to make it interesting and then fail to score the tying run.
1: Yeah, just to I'm make telling it a you, one this happens loss.
2: all the time, all the time. Yeah. This is like this is like their signature type of game. Is, yeah. is a game like that where you're you're tuned in just enough to be disappointed when they lose. Or just stressed out the entire time until the moment they win.
1: Yep, that's not the, right. I, I will say, uh I think the kids cast, I don't know if you guys I was watching the ESPN two, kind of moving back and forth between ESPN ESPN two and ESPN, where you had ESPN you had the Carl Ravage and David Cohn on, uh and then on ESPN two you had a kids cast. And I don't know who the there were a couple of college kids who looked like identical twins. I couldn't I...
0: Oh one of them was uh, a high school junior or senior. one of them was like a freshman who was like 18. So they were okay. both pretty young and they had um, a, a young girl doing uh, they're like on the site you know like a yeah. sideline reporting On-field and I interviews. I thought it was really I, I wish I had watched more of it. I thought it was really great. Like that's They the did one, a better job. I think that's what kind, <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> kind of missing from the the NFL, not that anyone cares about the NFL, but the NFL has been doing like a Nickelodeon broadcast for kids and the one thing that they're missing is Kid announcers, like yeah. there are kids that know about football and could do this. There are kids that play fantasy, like yeah, there there are kids who could do this. I just, and if the NFL needs to let go just a little bit, they don't have was to just, be Mannings.
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting listening to the kids, and and they were really relaxed i mean they didn't sound nervous at all i mean they weren't perfect you know they're not polished broadcasters or anything like that but it really was kind of amazing like i'm listening to these kids i'm like they're pretty poised and if i didn't know this was a kids cast i think it might have taken it would have probably taken me an inning or two before i realized that something was a little different about the broadcast like they did they did a pretty good job i I was really really impressed by it
0: yeah same it's always
2: cool when they they give people opportunities like that and you get the chance to see somebody thrive who's like you know completely getting thrown in the deep end to an extent like that's 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 tough i mean but yeah that's another cool aspect of the weekend <laughs> i mean I that's jealous. the thing these kids john, are john anytime on those... anytime you want to just call me up and do play-by-play over the phone while you're watching a phillies
1: game you do that anytime all right <laughs> i'm done you don't think i'll take you up on that but you know i will we
0: absolutely will though <laughs>
1: Some other good notes uh, from that series. Um, By the way, the Phillies finished the season with a seven and six record against the Nationals in the Phillies, seven victories. They had a plus 49 (laughs) run differential In their six losses. The Phillies lost by a total of six runs, which of course means all six losses against the Nationals were one run losses this season. So um, pretty hard to do that.
0: It's an improvement over the past, probably years uh, and years ago.
1: Yeah, not last year, but certainly years and years ago. And I, this, this other stat, I don't, no, I I can't. Con- I didn't do the research. I didn't confirm whether this is right. But somebody on Twitter had this stat, and I think it f- it feels right to me that the Phillies are now one and nine on Sunday Night Baseball since the middle of the twenty twenty one season. In their last ten Sunday Night Baseball appearances, they're one and nine. Again, I'm not sure that that's right, but it sure sounds right. It feels I, right. I, I, <laughs> I can't remember the last time the Phillies won a game on Sunday Night Baseball. It's been a long time. It doesn't necessarily um,
2: feel like good news when they announce they're going to play on Sunday no. night baseball.
1: <laughs> no, I'd I'm, I'd rather them just put play at one thirty. Don't don't I don't need to, to be on at night. Um, hey, and by the way, uh, the trade Turner two home runs in one inning. Um, Pretty good stuff, right? The the third Philly to ever do that. Von Hayes did it in 1985 in that 26-7 win, and uh, Andy Semenik did it in 1949. Um, Trey Turner had another good game here on Monday night. Since the ovation coming into Monday, a 370 average, 414 on base, and an 1117 OPS with four home runs and 12 RBIs.
0: That feels like magic. Come on. (laughs) It really does. It does not feel real. That like what all what he really needed was a bunch of attention on him, and then a lot of people just cheering him and telling him you're going to be fine, it's all going to be okay, and that was it. Like that's that's a fairy tale. Hey, <laughs>
2: hey, I, I mean, you know, look, I, do too. It's I didn't, wonderful. I didn't think it's just great. This was, it? I didn't think this was necessarily going to be the the reaction to it, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, just, it was a nice idea. That was, of course. Just pile-drived into nothing by the uh, by the discourse around it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. But the idea behind it was let's support our player, and it worked uh, really amazingly. So uh, it's kind of funny. Players are people too. Yeah, they are. That's that's what this comes down to. Um, all right, so the Phillies uh, have two more games here coming up uh, against the Giants. Uh, th- the Giants are reportedly going to start their best pitching prospect since Madison Bumgarner in the game on Tuesday night. What are, uh, are they
0: doing? Come on. Kyle
1: Harrison being called up, and he's going to pitch Tuesday. Now, he is he's a big swing and miss guy. You know, he's going to probably strike a lot of guys out, but he has only pitched more than four innings in a minor league game this year five times because they've been limiting his work workload. So you're going to see more bullpen guys coming out of the woodwork here on Tuesday after Kyle Harrison is done. That's another um, opener. Yep. Yeah, essentially. I mean, he's going to probably go three, four innings. That is if the Phillies don't, you know, hit him around if the kid's not too nervous or whatever, but um, that's uh, who the Phillies can look forward to seeing here on, on Tuesday night um, for the second game of this uh, three game series. Um, I did want to just mention too, you know, um, there's an article in the New York Times, and this is non-Phillies related. And um, Justin, I know you and your family are Baltimore Orioles fans. The Orioles are what, probably baseball's best on-field story this year. The, what what they've done is until is pretty recently. remarkable. <laughs> What's that? There's
0: it? Until recently.
1: Until recently, when it all yeah. Got screwed up. Well, you had first of all, you had Orioles management uh, suspending their uh, broadcaster for relaying historical factual statistics on the Orioles struggles with the Tampa Bay Rays over the last few years. Uh, and then the the media outcry that came out of that. Just a, a poorly handled, brutally handled situation by ownership there. And then you have John Angelos, the team owner, who put his foot in his mouth earlier this year, promising to show all the reporters the team's books so that he can justify not spending any money on the team. Uh, there's The New York Times came out with an interview of John Angelos where he's essentially talking about the economics of the game needing to be fixed. And already... <laughs> telling Orioles fans that there's no way they're going to be able to keep all these young homegrown stars. Um, the article says um, uh, the Orioles' $70 million payroll ranks 28th out of 30, uh, largely a, a function of the players' lack of service time a, at this moment. But Angelos has qualms with the current system, which, you know, baseball's economic system isn't perfect. We all know that. But he says the hardest thing to do in sports is be a small market team in baseball and be competitive because everything is stacked against you everything no cue, cue the tiny violins behind him he conceded that it might not be feasible for his popular young core to be career orioles like brooks robinson jim palmer and cal ripkin jr without major changes he sees only one way the team could retain all of its young stars quote we're going to have to raise the prices here dramatically oh my he said
0: <laughs> i hate <Wow>. this man <laughs>
1: Oh, he did go on to say, let's say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. <laughs> this guy <You'll> can't acqui- <laughs>
2: stop offering to show his books. He cannot stop. And then you ask him, hey, can I, okay, can we see the books? And he's like, no! how dare you? How did da- <laughs> the nerve on you? And then he just, but he just keeps doing it. He's just like, yeah, imagine a situation where I have all of my exact historic financials on display and you with your eyeballs are seeing them. Imagine that. Wow, well, those are dirty thoughts, and you shouldn't be having them because that's never going to happen. You're like, what? We, why? Why do you keep bringing up the books? That's not even what you're necessarily being asked about in every interview in every press scrum. Like he can't shut up about it, and then you know he he's got to react. And again, as John's saying, this is part of a litany of uh, of behavior from this guy over the past year. He's been my favorite character of this season because everything he does and says is just it's just so off base It's just wrong. so dumb. Yeah, like he's just going about it all wrong, like a tiny little spoiled boy king. who's was just like, get that man off the air. He's saying bad numbers. Like that's...
0: that's, as, re- that's as recently that
2: stuff, as... T- go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: I'm just saying, as recently as 20 years ago, the Orioles were not a small market team, and they had a high payroll. Like nothing has changed. It's not like a bunch of people have left Baltimore. Like, some people have left Baltimore, but not for that reason. <laughs> like, I, it's kind of stunning to me that he's a... I mean, all the credit goes to Tyler Kepner, who interviewed him and seemingly just pressed record on a, one of those little tape decks and, and just let him talk into it. Like, he maybe probably asked, like, two questions the whole time. And, and Angelo's just, just, like, spilling all of his brain into this tape recorder for Tyler Kepner to put on a page to make him look like an idiot. He didn't even have to try angelos did it all to himself and i just also want to say every team is going to start next year with like 120 to 30 million dollars in the bank due to revenue sharing and um payouts from tv deals and the last segment uh, the last payout for the bam tech deal uh, back like five years ago. Like, he's going to start the season with $130 million already. But he's not counting that because that would make it – because if he admits that, then he can't say all those things about raising prices, which wouldn't even have anything to do with the the, uh, the uh, payroll anyway. Oh, God, I hate this guy.
2: This but- is – no, but this is kind of on the fans too because we always knew it would come to this point, And people mm-hmm. just need to – the people of Baltimore just need to decide – Gunnar Henderson or an eighteen dollar hot dog, uh, and that's you know you, that's that's a classic baseball choice. And I'm yeah, glad the is. fans are finally being you know held accountable. It
1: it it goes it goes back to the days of Lou Gehrig and Roger Maris and Babe Ruth and and all those guys when you know the those salaries come due, and sometimes you just got to decide, you know, am I am I going to spend my last two cents on this popcorn, or or can I get it for a hay penny and let these players go? I just it's it's a <laughs> And Angelos did say, you know, he said, let's say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. You will quickly see that when people talk about giving this player $200 million, that player $150 million, we would be so financially underwater that you'd have to raise the prices massively. Now, are people going to come and pay that? I don't know if we're at the limit, to your point. I don't know if we're in equilibrium elasticity, supply and demand. Maybe we are, but really that's just one team. What I'm really trying to think about is macro.
2: Did a brick hit him during the, during the interview? <laughs> this, this
0: guy, by the way, not just a trust fund baby, he's a lawyer. He's a trial lawyer. He does not have a degree in business or finance. What he's saying here is just stuff he's picked up while being a trust fund child who didn't have to work at all if he didn't want to.
1: I don't think you should run losses, Angelo said. I think you should live <laughs> within your means and within your market. No!
2: <laughs> is- also, apparently okay. he's just not that rich. Apparently he's just like a, a couple of mortgage payments away from, from the streets.
0: No, no, no. No, John, what did you discover today?
2: He's
1: worth $2 billion. He's
2: ah,
0: worth see, about the same mm-hmm.
1: as, as John, John Middleton. Middleton. $2
2: billion is multiple billions. Yeah, yikes. That's- yeah, Ooh. it's like $1 billion and you double <laughs> that. I'm going to have it No, and, and the <laughs> Phillies payroll is, is is what top 3 in baseball. The Phillies middle I think it's number 2 uh, right now, isn't it? Number 2? Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Wow. And uh because they have the same amount of well, we know that doesn't mean they have the same amount of money, but uh I wonder yeah, I I just wonder how how he th- he thinks like this kind of information is not available for anyone else to find. So like he can just say and do whatever and people aren't going to like be able to hold him accountable or compare him to anything or even just know that everything he's saying mm-hmm. is stupid.
1: Sorry, the Phillies are four. The Padres are three. The Padres play in just as small a market as as Baltimore, by the way, and uh, they, of course, have a two hundred forty nine million dollars payroll. Now, you have the you also have the the other people coming out of the woodwork gleefully. Telling everyone that you don't need to spend money on your players because you look at teams like the the Mets and the Padres and uh, the Angels and some of these other teams that have spent a whole lot of money and not getting anything for it. But they don't point in the Yankees. I guess now you can throw into the mix, too. They're going to miss the playoffs. But so, yeah, the Mets, Yankees and Padres, the top three spending teams in baseball, all probably missing the playoffs, the Phillies, the Dodgers. The Blue Jays, the Braves, the Rangers, and Houston, however, San Francisco, Cubs, everybody like next on the list is probably going to the playoffs. So, you know, it's kind of a weird year in that your top three Major League Baseball payrolls will all probably miss the playoffs here. The Phillies will probably be, of all the teams in baseball to make the playoffs, they'll probably be the highest payroll team in the postseason. Wow. Which is, I don't know what to make well, with that information, but you know,
2: <laughs> everybody loves watching the playoff underdog, darling, like you know, go through the postseason, uh, especially last year when everybody wanted to see the Astros lose too. But that mm-hmm. kind of team, I I think what you're going to see is like, they're going to look at these uh, examples and use them as excuses to like, oh well, no, we'll just we'll just have a young, we'll just have a cheap young team that will pretend is the product of genius when we actually manage to have a winning season. But like, look what happens to these big spending teams. Sometimes sometimes, sometimes they spend all that money and all they get is what they paid for, which is, you know, this, this player, this year, this is just the year they had, you know, it sucks. But, uh yeah, I, I but they they I can totally see owners holding this up as like this is why spending is bad because sometimes you know you don't make the playoffs and that's a shame because these are the stories I love the most the ones about the Yankees blowing it.
1: Yeah, and listen, <laughs> hey, owners don't spend because John Middleton's gonna spend. Give us, we'll take the players. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If th-
0: you can tell it's not about the on-field product. It's not even mm-hmm. about the stadium, even though. Angeles will not shut up about wanting to develop the land around the city. And that's the key. That's all anyone wants. They just want, they own a baseball team as a springboard to get different governments around the country to to toss money at them to do something non-baseball related. Baseball is not the thing that they have that they're proud of, that they own, that they love. It's a means to an end to get more money from other people, so they can make more and not have to spend their own. Like that's the one thing that has been not the one thing, one of the many things this season that has been a relief about John Middleton is that he's not trying to do that. Yeah, like it's that yeah. the area around the ballpark is what it is. What is it going to do? Try to change it any more than it is? There's already what is it that Xfinity Live thing or whatever there? Like that's about yeah. all that area can take. What else are you it's gonna got put homes?
1: There? Yeah, it's in a neighborhood. Yeah,
0: you're not going to put anything else there and he knows this. So what is he doing? He's focusing on the team that he owns, making it better because for him, it actually is about the on-field product. And I would argue for the Padres too, just because they fell on their face this year doesn't mean anything. And we could say what we want about the Yankees. They signed Aaron judge and like one other player and did nothing. They're Mm -hmm. about to nosedive into the basement. Having won more than half of their games, I don't even actually know what their record is right now, but they they're going to use this season as an excuse to not spend money for a while.
2: Didn't yeah, they the Yankees. lose eight games in a row for the first time since nineteen ninety five? Wasn't that yeah? Mm-hmm.
1: They the they're currently in the midst of an eight game losing streak. They're they're sixty and and sixty four, right now. So yeah, the Yankees are under five hundred, and I think I saw that um, for the first time. Uh, FanGraphs has their playoff odds this year at 0.0%. So, I mean, they I, are- I got
2: to say the Phillies are what the Phillies are and they're still very much in the play- in playoff contention. So, you know, OK, but as far as and I know we've gone back and forth on on many aspects of the Phillies this year, as challenging as they are to watch at times, but as far as like the Mets <laughs> blowing up, and changing <laughs> from we are the we are definitely going to win the World Series to we are aiming to contend again in 2026, uh, halfway through the season. Um, no notes. And now the Yankees, as a special bonus pr- uh, prize, are just like going to go to sleep. I mean, that's that's incredible. That's as far as this year goes when it comes to like seeing New York teams stumble. This has been absolutely d- incomparable. A
0: delight.
1: Yes, without a doubt, delight. It's just been it's been the best story. I said the Orioles were the best story in baseball this year. It's it's the Mets and and their collapse. That's that has been the best story in baseball this year by far. Um, all right, let's wrap this baby up here. Um, let's go to final thoughts, uh, Justin. Any final thoughts from you?
2: Well, I mentioned the Mets exploding, uh, and that was sort of the inspiration for our latest episode of the Dirty Inning, the Phillies podcast where we talk about the dumbest, funniest, and most obscure innings in Philadelphia Phillies history over at the Hidden Season Patreon at patreon.com slash Uh we talked, we talked about Al Jackson, a pitcher for the Mets, uh, in a game in which he threw 15 innings against the Phillies, and his team just couldn't come through for him. So if you thought Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer were perhaps disgruntled when they left the Mets uh al jackson wasn't feeling too pleased with them either on that day so yeah that episode's up there on the patreon now
1: all right patreon.com slash hitting season as you heard justin say liz final thoughts from you
0: uh come to SportsYahoo.com and check out all of our incredible fantasy coverage i have not contributed to any of it but many of my colleagues have <laughs> Uh, use it for your your drafting purposes. I used it. I used it last year. Uh, looked at it merely seconds before I was supposed to draft players. And hey, I finished in second in my in my league that I have with
2: Justin. Yeah. So that's true. And yes. she was so so bad the year before. Oh, you have when, no when idea. She did not. She did not use Yahoo Fantasy.
0: No, it's mostly because we were on uh, a different platform. But I actually have the on my desk here for some reason the sign that Justin uh, had. Had me, had in front of me when I came over for this year's draft. Liz, record four and ten. Stop, stop. She's already dead.
1: (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I I was in a great uh fantasy football league with some buddies for just the longest time and it just kind of petered out and i haven't been able to kind of I'm, I'm in one with my uh my sister and my son does it too but it's not terribly competitive like i just i, I miss the real competitiveness of some like a really good fantasy football league um i got away from it for a while too because it does you get a little obsessed during this during the course of the football season yes, you w- when you're doing it but um, obsession
2: is part of the fun yes it that's is. true
1: that's true um, and i'll finish up here by just saying dylan covey can't throw any more pitches for the Phillies here in in 2023? <laughs> that can be over. I um, yeah, um, may, can wrap that up. M- maybe we can move on from this point on from from Dylan Covey. But what about um, his a-
0: many defenders?
1: He's been good
2: for a la- the last few weeks.
1: He has been. Uh, you're right. He has been pretty good the last few weeks. They probably won't demote him because of this. But bro, um, that be. was. <laughs> That do, let's not do that again um, alright folks that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season and I want to remind you also about our landing page over at billypen.com. Uh, You check out all the different blog posts that we are writing and everything that we're doing over at Hit and Season by going to BillyPen.com slash and Season and I know a number of you have asked us uh, on Twitter about why can't I find the podcast on Apple Podcasts right now we are still dealing with some technical issues with Apple we are working on it we're hoping a resolution is coming uh, with Within the next uh, day or two so fingers crossed on that in the meantime you can find us at uh you can find us at the landing page billypen.com slash hit and season and we're also on all of the other platforms as you've heard us say over and over again so you can check us out there thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time right here on hit and season